0: You're listening to the World Football Programme with all the latest updates from both local and international football.
1: WA My name's Sean Kelly and this is the World Football Programme. big thanks to Frank and Jerry for another wonderful Songs for Ireland programme. love following those boys and good to see them after the the Christmas and New Year break. Joining me in the studio is the A League stats (laughs) man, Pete Scaler. Good morning, Pete. How are you?
2: Morning Sean. Very well. How are you?
1: Good. Statistically I'm above average.
2: That's that's what I like. there. <laughs> How many standard deviations above are
1: you? Oh, I'd say pretty pretty few, several, yeah. That'd <laughs> be, right. be that's a good. lot. That's be right, a yeah. lot, yeah. Um a big show today. Now, um I'll start off with the first thing. Um and I was stretching when I when I teed it all up and right up until literally two minutes ago, um, I had Tony Sage lined up, but it, he's a little bit busy. Um and I've had an apology through from the glory about that, but um I think you, with what's gone on, it's been a massive week for the glory. Um, all the boys are flying out today at Tokyo. Um, for a history-making event in their first ACL game.
2: Waiting 15 years for this.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's a, a long wait. I've, I've waited 25 for it, really, but, you know, um, been a Glory fan since day one and, you know, it's just great to see them out there on that international stage, and I know it's been part of Tony's dream. What I, I did like, though, was the launch of the new kit. I think that new kit is just absolutely special. The home kit looks absolutely divine, and the, the away kit is as close to perfection as you can get
2: yeah absolutely um i already said to you i'm i'm definitely picking up one i haven't decided if it's going to be home or away yet but no, yeah,
1: yeah i think at the moment that might it. be decided for i think it's only the home kit that's available online but um I'm, i may I'm be wrong i'm fine with that yeah yeah no that's good and i think you know uh most people love it and i and the um involvement of the state government with perth on the front of the shirt um just brilliant i know it's it's come under a bit of fire but i can't see why we're we're proud of where we're from we're proud of the city and and hopefully the boys do us proud when they're in the the acl
2: absolutely um obviously we've had (laughs) we thought we thought had you asked about a month ago, we would have thought that we would today be discussing our first game and how
1: we went. Yeah, yeah, been postponed. But, but then you know the the coronavirus has caused problems across yeah. the world, and I think you know look the the pose that's taken uh, by Australia, stance that's taken by Australia is is very. Um, very good. Um, it's the only real way to contain the outbreak is to isolate. And then once you pass that incubation period, things are good. Um, I don't think they've been so tough on that in China. I think it was a few weeks before we even knew they had a problem. Yep. But, um, you know, we, we seem to be holding our own. And I think other countries are taking a lead from Australia. So it's, it's good that we're, we're looking after our own. And if it means that the game gets played, what, April the 26th? Um, which is just before the finals campaign. Yep. Um, not a bad thing. 28th. Yeah. So to have competition there, I think the Newcastle Jets game is the 26th, yep. and then we've got to... So something's going get moved around. Something's going to get moved around at that end of the season. And, and so. that's
2: still assuming the coronavirus is cleared up by then as well. I've, I've still got a sneaky suspicion that they're going to wind up maybe... Pulling the uh, the Chinese teams out of the A. Three points,
1: too yeah. lovely. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, then, of course, the other real interest over the week has been all this talk about the LFE purchase. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm quite impressed. I, for number one, they they, they would say that there is no such thing as bad put. Part- Publicity, Perth Glory uh, again worldwide attention for this. That yep. is not a bad thing. And in that market, you know, people know that it's up for sale and, and those sorts of things, or they can buy into it. Um, the media interest is enormous. The one thing I never knew, I personally, I don't know a lot about cryptocurrencies and uh, blockchain. I do know that I I should have got into Bitcoin when it first came <laughs> out. That's the only thing I know about yep. it, but. I'm impressed with the amount of expert opinion we have here in Perth on the Facebook pages. I had no idea. We had crypt- <laughs> cryptocurrency um, experts. I had no idea. We had investigative, investigative powers to those levels. Um, people have been scouring the internet looking for all the information on their feet. fantastic.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: It was such a qualified group of people everyone's, in Perth.
2: Didn't you know everyone's an expert on the internet?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. It's, uh, look, I think it's, it's really highlighted some of the things about how passionate we are about the club. Yeah. And when people look at undermining the club, um, it's quite interesting. I saw a, a comment the other day from uh, Western Sydney and Tony Pignata just said, yeah, you worry about your club. Um, <laughs> and there's been lots of, of banter around it, which is quite good. The one thing that I do know is that Tony Sage is not going to put the club at risk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, some sort of interesting points about the whole deal. You know, selling to LFE, you think, oh, okay. But Tony was still the chairman of LFE. He's still going to re- retain control of the glory. For three years, yeah. For three years, yeah. Which, you know, look, three years as a for the amount of time he's put in. Yep, yep. I think, you know, fair enough. I've been in the stands when people have been chanting for him out. So, you know. yeah. Three- yeah. <laughs>
2: I've 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 been in there when they've been chanting for him out. I've been in there where they've been chanting for him. Well, not in, but but chanting their support for him. So, Absolutely.
1: And, yeah. and the one thing you cannot fault or, or question with Tony is that he is a glory fan first and foremost, and the owner second. Yeah. And I, I don't see him jeopardizing the future of the club. He has taken with him to London someone who is an expert, proper expert, not just off the internet <laughs> and just yeah you'll do. But he's gone and got someone who is and understands blockchain and Bitcoin. I just find it interesting that he was elected chairman of a company that had a business he did nothing about. You know, as much as I would enjoy the mm-hmm. money, if someone elected me to be the chairman of BHP, I'd be completely and totally lost. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, I know nothing about mining and it's you know, not for me. Yeah,
2: no. Well, that's, that's, again, that's where you need to surround yourself with people who... Oh, of course. Who know what's going
1: on. Of course, on. And, and that's exactly what Tony's done. Um, the deal is is far from done as far as I understand yes yep. they may have come to an agreement a gentleman's agreement but you know when you' when you're dealing with LEG who knows what that means
2: <laughs> well that's right and un, until the so we say the ink is dried on the paperwork yeah an agreement doesn't doesn't mean anything doesn't
1: mean much. No. Um, but it still, it still reads like, like a, a Guy Ritchie oh, film, yeah. film script. Yeah, you, know, you can imagine this being in, in Layer Cake or Lockstock or yeah, yeah. Um, what was the other one you were mentioning? The Hustle. The, the, the Hustle, yeah. yeah. So it, it really is playing out at, at that level. But, you know, watch this space is all I can say.
2: I mean, and the other thing is, as, as anyone who's a football fan for any length of time knows, players come and go, coaches come yep. and go, and in the longer term, even owners come and go, Yeah. so long as the club stays... Yeah. Um, with their colours, with their name. Oh, absolutely. Um, that, that's the
1: important thing. I think the, the other thing is, and when you're reading through the lines, Tony's upset about the leak. And I think, you know, people say, well, why did you tell the players ahead you know, of a, a Champions League um, game? Yeah. The horse has already been out the stable door. people were talking about this before Perth. I think the announcement on Thursday was about the ACL kit and what was going and then people have just gone and said, Oh no, it's this sale that's coming up and the players are going, What sale? So Tony had to go and say to him, Look, that we are in negotiations with someone. We have reached a kind of settlement with them, but until I know exactly what I'm doing, we're going nowhere. And even if we, we do sell to those people I'm the chairman so nothing will change for you as players yeah. and I think he had to do that but yeah it was um interesting the other big thing during the week Matilda's, Matilda's. job job done
2: yes yes a lovely goal from Van Egmont oh um, it's, yeah. I was actually I'd, I'd seen the result before um seeing any of the highlights then, yeah. I, then I jumped on the, the app to watch the highlights and sort of 20 minutes 50 minutes 70 minutes still nil all I'm like did I misread the score? Did I, I thought they said it was one-all and, you know, neither teams looked too likely to score and then...
1: Yeah. It, so really it would have been a
2: great one to watch live as well, you know, not knowing the result ahead of time when China scored in the, you know, some point in the 80th, you know, minutes.
1: Yeah. it's a bit and, like and watching basketball really, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Just tune in for the last five.
1: Yeah. No, look, I think uh, uh, the thing is, job done. There was, there was a lot of things within that game that I think... Um, we could have done better, and I think we've learned a lot from that game. The Chinese certainly seem to know how to to defeat the, uh, to, to defeat the Matildas. Yep. Um, but the, I think Matildas also learnt a lot about what they need to do to strengthen the areas they're weak. Uh, for me, the, the, the goal itself, extremely well hit, extremely well taken. But the, the key in that, that goal was the couple of seconds leading up to it Mm -hmm. where the striker and I I think it was Kai Simon had got the ball and rather than do what anybody else did was panic try and have a shot herself she held it she stepped back she waited and then then delivered the exact pass that needed to be delivered for for Van Egmond to run onto. now at that point it was all for Van Egmond to do it could have Mm -hmm. gone Rose Ed and she's done a great job in finishing it but but the whole thing was a set up and you know as much as she's getting the accolades for finishing, the, the set-up of that goal was just sublime.
2: Absolutely. Yeah,
1: Absolutely. quality football. And talking about quality football, Mo Torre.
2: Yes, yes, he's my other one on my list. To yeah,
1: Fif- 15 years and 325 days old, and there he is, youngest scorer, youngest in, the scorer in the
2: A-League. So, yeah. Tommy Orr was the previous one at, at 17 years. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, I, that's a record I suspect will stand for quite a while.
1: Well, the A League's quite often slammed for its youth development and the lack of uh, opportunities <coughs> for youth players, and then we've got this lad who's who's obviously good enough yep. and obviously old enough because he can hold his own, and he's, he's doing the job, and and his his big brothers doing the same, you know. Absolutely, yeah. And his
2: big brothers still only what nineteen? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and I've noticed with Adelaide in particular this season, they are using a lot of young players. Um, it feels like this season, compared to other seasons, there's a greater spread of player ages. Like, the Glory has a relatively old squad. Our average age is over 30 for our starting 11. Yep. Um, whereas Adelaide, I've noticed in particular, they seem to be at about 25, 26 years old for their average average starting 11. So... Previous seasons, every team sat at about twenty-seven years old for the for the starting eleven. But this year, they seem to have spread out a bit, and we've got um, the Glory, and I think there was another side as well, running running teams over the age of thirty. And yeah. Adelaide twenty-five, Central Coast twenty-five. Um, oh, Sydney FC is the other one over thirty. So,
1: yeah, I think you, know, you look at that though, and, and that's Popper and the way he yeah. he does his his teams. But then we look at what he's got coming up. And I know his two lads get a lot of stick, but <laughs> yeah. they they are both very talented footballers and and can hold their own. Um, but also the Agostino, has yes. you know because he was injured, did nothing. Played for Australia in the under twenty ones, and then has had his chance. And by God, has not he taken it?
2: He's he's my new man crush at the Glory. Yeah, I'm not ashamed to say. Uh, move over, move over, Economides, and move over Risdon <laughs> from the past. It's yeah, is my man. Grant.
1: Yeah, the, the only problem I have with Daggers is he was um, when he scored against Victory, his first header was just great in the back of the net. But then the second and third one got progressively higher, and you know. <laughs> but um, he's certainly doing the job, and that's all you can ask of a player. He's he's scoring more goals or scored more goals than he's played games, and yep. you know you you can't ask for any more than that out of a player. Absolutely. And I think you know we, we've done well in, in picking him up, and I'm surprised that Robbie Fowler let him go.
2: Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I was, he he did have a, a quite a few games with um, Brisbane. I recognised the name when I saw him on the team list, and thought, oh. Okay, I, I know him. I know he's been in the A League before and, and hadn't actually followed him until until he popped up and scored those couple of goals for Australia, and that's when mm. I had a bit more of a look and yeah, I, I hadn't even realized he was in the glory team up until that point. But, he, but he's
1: that. certainly looking the goods, and I thought with the ball at his feet, he likes to run at players and he looks very dangerous. Yeah. I the, the heading was a surprise for me. Yeah. Yeah. He's actually got a very good leap and you know, he's um he's, he's gonna be a player, that's for sure. Um talking of players for the glory a New signing, even though the glory women cannot make the final series, mm-hmm. they've just signed Tia Stonehill. I don't know much about Tia, but um, at least they're, they're still trying to play the season out, which That's I think is, is highly important. Um,
2: and their next game is tomorrow, yes, at Dorian Garden. At Dorian Garden. So, so at
1: given that there's no other glory football in town, then you, right. you need to get yourself down there and, and get into it. And I think, um, you know, that they, they deserve the following, they've, they've tried hard, a lot of them are. Well, the majority of the team are local girls and we should be backing them 100%. Yep.
2: And if you – obviously, as you say, we're we're out of the running for the finals, but Brisbane are looking for a win to, to get in there. So if you dislike Brisbane, you can come along as well and hopefully watch us trip them up.
1: Uh, are Brisbane glory? Mm. Then I dislike them. That's it. Just, that's how it goes. I'm <laughs> gotcha. sorry. Yep, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's enough for me. If you're not the glory, then, yeah, I don't like you. <laughs> um and then a bit of sad news I saw uh, a twitter during the week on um Pele uh not looking good mm. His his health is declining and it's 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 very sad to see someone who was up there in the pinnacle of, of you know one of the best if not the best player in the world and there's lots of contentions about who he is and was yeah. but you know you you can't start that conversation without Pele's name being in it absolutely uh, and just n- not nice to see where he's at in his life but Hopefully, um, he'll get better. And if he doesn't, then, you know.
2: Oh, yeah. He's um, all the best to him. Yeah, hope, absolutely. Hope he recovers. But uh, as you say, he's he's 79. Um, yep. So.
1: And the other news that happened this morning that uh, basically made me spit my breakfast out <laughs> was. Um, I know this one. Yeah. Yeah. The Man City. Yes. Banned from Europe For two years uh, I'm sure when I speak To Derek Pollock Later on um, He will have a, a thing or two To say about that Yeah But um, Massive news Coming out of Europe They're about them They're, they're still In the last uh, 16 of the Cup they're, They've got a game In the next week Or so um, You know They could They could technically Still win this And then not be able To play In the uh, Champions League Or the Europa Cup
2: Yep so I mean, I guess from that perspective, they're like Wellington Phoenix. They could they could win the league and not make the Champions League. Then
1: they're nothing like Wellington Phoenix. <laughs> they can play football.
2: <laughs> they um they also copped a thirty million dollar fine as well. Which uh, sorry, pound fine. As yeah, well,
1: it was so. about forty eight million dollars. I think it was. Yeah, um, which is basically just one week's wages for yeah, one of their stars. Yeah, but
2: check the back of the couch for a bit of loose change to pay that off.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the the financial penalty isn't the problem. That the the lack of Champions League football yeah. will will. Seriously, stymie their ability to a sign players and b keep the ones they've got. Yeah, yeah. Because they all want they all want to be there. Do you think
2: also also losing, uh, missing out on Champions League football? How much of a financial hit is that to them as well? Oh, huge. Would that, would that be more than the actual thirty million pound fine? Yeah. In terms of you absolutely, because lost, 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 re- lost
1: revenue, lost sponsorship, um, everything that they they're about. I mean, their, their ability to drive income, their revenue stream to be would be. Completely crippled. Yeah, yeah. They're they're selling to a worldwide brand, and all of a sudden they can't compete. The interesting thing is looking at the people that might benefit. And Sheffield United, or oh, I think some of the pundits were tipping for the drop, are <laughs> sitting there in sixth spot yep. in the in the EPL, and now they they they've actually got a real live chance of playing in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: that's, yeah, that's that's certainly not one you'd um. Yeah, like you say, at the start of the season, you would have been looking at that one going, well, they're in
1: there. They're in with the chance. No, no. No. So. Yeah, reminiscent of Leicester, who are also in that mix. So, yeah. Um, yeah, lots of news coming out of England. I don't think that will be the end of it. Um, so, really, that's it. Local news, um, WNPL, another talk about history-making. Yes. The WNPL night series kicked off. Um, Apparently. Apparently last week or the week before. Yeah, we've had a bit of a job finding results, but um, we're talking to Emma Black from uh, Curtin later on and maybe she'll have some idea of who scored against who. Yeah. But um, great to see the, the women's MPL starting off. Um, been a, a bit of talk again, if you look through the internet about the eligibility of players and the sustainability of the competition yep. if if players who have played in the WMPL can't play in the amateur leagues um, in this first year, some teams are going to struggle because there's there's just not enough players out there.
2: yeah yeah and again I think I think football West have sort of dropped the ball somewhere here because certainly when I go through the fixtures from their website off to the you know websites. sports. STG side. I've got the list for the men's night series, the amateur night series, uh, the state leagues, and the Sandbar Beach Football. But I don't see anything about women's NPL night series or anything. so um,
1: Have you tried looking in the men's NPL or the NPL? Because the, the men's NPL is not in that list that you've mentioned, no. and the NPL night series is also on. Oh, right. Maybe I maybe I have a look. Maybe at it. it's linked through that I, again. That side of it hasn't been portrayed well and we've got um, Greg Bleicher on very shortly and we'll be able to talk to Greg right. about... fair what's... enough,
2: you've got you've you've got it then. I'm oh. still going to say that they've made it not easy to find, but you're right, there it is.
1: Well, it was just logical, mate. <laughs> they <that> were in <laughs> WNPO. I can't help it if you, yeah.
2: I don't know, I'm to figure these computer things out I don't know how they work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, look, it's... I must admit, I've been a big critic of the website. I don't like the website. I don't think it's easy to navigate. Apparently, it's been made for um, portable devices like iPads and, yep. and phones, yep. and I still find it difficult on that. <laughs> maybe it's just I keep thinking maybe it's just me. But
2: Yeah, well, that's... And actually, looking at the results, too, I see that um, just before we delve too far in, the surprise result that Northern Redbacks lost their first game of the night series to Mum FC which Penny has literally just texted me about screaming Mum FC at me. So,
1: But she screamed Mum at FC at you at every possible opportunity. Yeah,
2: I think there's a little bit more happiness in it when she sees that they've won. but you know. Over
1: Redbacks <laughs> as well. Now, look, yeah. I think it's a very exciting time for women's football. Um, there's been a lot... Of um, problems over the last couple of years with the, the league structure and at least, uh, and I know football has come under a lot of criticism for just about everything, you know, from, from my coffee was cold <laughs> to, to my toast is cold, um, it's their problem but they've tried to do something and I can't yeah. criticise someone who's trying to do something and I think the WNPL structure will certainly improve the game and the one thing i i I find quite interesting and and maybe this is something we'll talk to greg about is the financial side of it um a men's npl player most of them will expect to be paid most of them should be on pro contracts Um, and there seems to be a reticence to do the same with the women's game and you know This whole thing about being professional or amateur is quite interesting, and people talk about semi-pro. There is no semi-pro registration. You're either an amateur or a pro, and amateurs um, don't get paid, and they can receive um, compensation for expenses up to about $110. Okay, over that you're on pro papers, unless you can prove the expenses. Yep, and you know, working for the club behind the bar or sweeping up or whatever it is that people put on the books is only legitimate if you're doing it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So
1: they can't say, oh, he coaches are under eights, nines and tens if he's not there. Yeah. So there's... The and
2: does same that get audited? Do, do they come around and check that? Well,
1: we say that, but I think recently if you see there was a... Recently, a team in Victoria yes, that's been Avondale. Uh, Avondale have been seriously pineappled for <laughs> NPL breaches. Yeah. And um, no, look, I think it's a couple of years ago, Adelaide were done for salary cap breaches and, and lost championship points and, and were fined. Um, the same thing's happened to Avondale for NPL breaches. No one's really talking about it at the moment. Um, and we'll see what we can do about that. But if we can find out what it was. Mm. But the competitions are coming under more and more scrutiny. There, There is the national registration guidelines in place that tells yep. everybody what you can and can't pay a player. And as I said, there's only two determinations, professional or, or, semi, uh, sorry, or amateur, and that's it. Um, people who are paying players over and above the NRG are in breach of the national registration guidelines, which is quite serious in itself. And anybody who thinks by doing that they're avoiding... Um, p a y e or superannuation it doesn't matter if, if and I'll just drag a figure out of the air because I'm not saying this, anyone's getting paid this, but if someone's getting paid a thousand bucks a week mm. and they're registered as an amateur, that is completely and totally wrong yep yep if you're paying that, they are entitled to their super they're entitled to um the taxation and everything else that's there yeah it's it's one of those things you can't just avoid it, close your eyes and go, oh it's not happening that's or oh, that's the way it's been forever, I think yeah. Looking around the the country and looking what's happening, certain clubs have been targeted and I think they're looking at, at making scapegoats. Avondale were big enough to, to send a shockwave through Victoria because yep. they're, they're a very well-established club yep. and they're not going to go and bother about, you know, um, Blacktown United or, um, you know, the South Sydney Christian Church, or whatever, they're <laughs> not going to bother about you know a little tiny team. Yeah, they're, they're going to make an example of someone big. And generally speaking, that will be one of the NPLs, and it'll be one of the NPL powerhouses. And it winter is coming. Yes. And yes. if you haven't got your governance in order, and you haven't done the right thing, um, you know. And this is where, uh, one of the things I want to talk to Greg about when we get him on. But um, we have, we must have professional players signed. There must be. There must be a player in WA that's getting paid more than 110 bucks, yep. and should be registered as a professional. Yep. I'd be interested to know how many we have across WA last season or this season. How many we had who signed professional papers outside of the Glory, and how many, or, or how we compare to South Australia, which is a similar size population and playing group. Yep,
2: yep. And Avondale, uh, their their fine was um, pretty big hit for an NPL side, so they're uh, three points. At uh, the start of the season deducted. Yep. Um, they have to return $30,000 in prize money from yep. last year and a $25,000 fine on top of that. So, 55 grand they've got to pay. Yeah. Which um, I, I imagine for an NPL side, for a, for a state side, that's, that's a fair chunk of change.
1: Yeah, and I can't remember which of the Adelaide teams it was, whether it was City or United, but they were deducted, um, I think, 10 championship or 10 points yep. for three seasons running. So, mm. you know... Even if you have a good season, you're still going to finish up mid-table yeah, at exactly. best. <laughs> you know, you're struggling. So, you know, it's out there. It's happening. It's happening around the rest of the country. Um, and I have no no doubt that we will – yeah, it was Adelaide City. We yes. have no doubt that um, – It was six points. Yeah. Oh, I knew there was yeah, a but, point. But you're right,
2: for three for, years. But for it was for years, multiple yeah. years. Yeah. And,
1: and you know, these are serious penalties. Yeah, absolutely. This is not just mucking around stuff. This is deadly, deadly serious. <laughs> Uh, and it's coming. Uh, and I think, you know, we can bury our hands in the in the sand and go, we're the Wild West and no one really cares about us. And then when they do start caring, we'll be complaining that why pick on us? We weren't warned. We weren't told. Yeah. 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 It's coming. All right. We're going to go to some messages and we'll be back after this break with uh, Greg Bleicher, who is the Chief Operating Officer of uh, Football West. So we'll be able to find out why they can't get anything wrong and why the sun's not shining today because that's also their fault sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're well of your own pete
2: yeah no sorry i was just yeah, um yeah. keeping an eye on the facebook page we had a couple updates Pe- apparently pele has rejected the uh, health claims thank you peter right so so pele is just claiming he's depressed and reclusive but not actually unwell yeah although, okay although i'm I believe depression counts as being unwell these days. Mental mental health being it a, is a serious yeah, no, issue. Yeah,
1: absolutely, and and we shouldn't be decrying any mental health issues. No. Um, you know, again, depressed is is an illness, Pele. If you don't think it is, yeah, it is. All right, we're back after these. Hi,
3: I'm Rose, a junior trainee at Oswest Fencing and Raw I am the fourth generation of our family business. Oswest Fencing is built on 50 years of experience, creating unique fencing and gates and servicing the West Australian community. Let us help you secure and refurbish your home or business with customised materials and automation made to laugh. Ring us on 9258 6822 to discuss your ideas or visit our online galleries at auswestfencing.com.au That's a u s WESTFencing.com.au.
2: Station sponsor. Preview. Are you considering data and software development? From a simple website to custom office automation software. Phone Andy at Dataplats on 0414 263 938. That's 0414 263 938. Station sponsor. FM,
1: your local station. And we're back in the room. Um, yeah, looking exciting time in football all round. There's um, a lot happening locally with the local game. Yep. Night series are firing up for for the men, the women, the NPL, and um, I know that registrations are really starting to happen now. And the man sitting on top of that pyramid is the Chief Operating Officer of Football West, Greg Bleicher, who joins us on the line now. Good morning, Greg. How are you?
4: Very well,
1: thanks. Thanks for asking, John. Um, Chief Operating Officer, what does that actually mean?
4: I uh, love what you just said, I guess. I <laughs> sort of oversee the operations of Football West, which is uh, quite broad, quite dynamic. It's um, There's a lot of moving parts, I guess, uh, not only in terms of the the competitions, which, as you rightly pointed out, tick off very soon. It's also some sort of the development pathways of our state teams, which we uh, like to recognise and highlight some of the more talented players we have get to travel in the state and overseas, and some of the also the uh, corporate, which is uh, another element within my remit, which is uh, all the enabling function, you know, the finance and the HR and legal, and those sort of things, which um, help support football West to operate. I guess
1: yeah I suppose for a, for a dinosaur like me I, I can remember when I first got involved with um, the local authorities for football which is a good thirty odd years ago um, I could count all the people there on one hand and and knew every single one of them um, it's grown out of all proportion now you you've got a a, a playing group of 20, 230 registered players and I imagine that the 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 corporate side of things has blown out completely how many employees does Football West actually have these days?
4: You're right, we have grown, which is a good sign uh, growth is a good thing um, in order to accommodate the, the growth of the sport, uh, therefore the, uh, the Football West as an as organisation and our staff has grown So we've now got 39 but that includes, which I'm pleased to say each of the regions now have a regional development officer which, 18 months ago, we did not necessarily have um, uh, sufficient staff to, to accommodate the demand out in the region. So Albany, Geraldton, Kalgoorlie, Bosserton, Pilbara and Broome. We, we've got regional development officers, which is uh, the last one Carol Higgins started last week up in the Pilbara, which is, which is great to see. So Metro-based, um, sitting at 33, some of those are, are part-time. And then also, really, to, to make it work, we've got a... A lot of referees, a lot of part-time coaches, and also a lot of volunteers in
1: the clubs, which uh, help to make uh, the, the sport grow. Yeah, it, it seems to have grown. As you said, the game itself has grown. We're one of the biggest participant sports uh, in in WA, and, and I suppose when you look at nationally, on a national basis, we are. Um, so accommodating that growth is difficult, but I think also when you look through the the internet and everything else about Anything that goes wrong with this game seems to be the responsibility of Football West. Hmm. Um, you know, the, there's complaints about the the fees that are charged to children. Now, the Football West and the um, FFA fees are quite modest, in, in, yep. in really. And I think, you know, when we look at what, what people are charging, it's the clubs that are, are making that... Um, that extra charge. So how do you address that? Because, you, you know, people think that you should be policing the clubs and telling them you can only charge an X amount for a child. Um, but they're all independent businesses who, you know, you can only guide them. You can't actually mandate that they they can re- reduce their income stream or not pay coaches. Yeah, that's exactly right. Look, it's a, it's a challenge. Um, different clubs
4: have... Um differing, I guess, expectations and standards. Some will issue just um, socks and shorts and some will go to the trouble to uh, issue uh, a whole lot more. Mm. So parents will receive um, more in some cases and therefore their registration fees uh, do or are increased in different clubs. But yeah, the FFA component and the Football West component is very, very moderate in comparison to, I guess, other states somewhat. Um, you know, we do the, we've got the insurance and we do the administration for the fixed ring and uh, often we'll act, um, speak with local councils in terms of uh, ground and facilities and those sort of things. But you know, it, it's it's a challenge. There are some differing costs across different clubs, uh, and we like to work with clubs to make sure they're, I guess, they're. But their players and the parents are uh, satisfied with the
1: product they're receiving. And I suppose, look, from that perspective, if, if all you're doing is saying that clubs should put out a cost or fee breakdown and mm. say, right, this is what your fees actually buy you. I know um, my club's done a re- recent exercise doing that, and it's quite interesting because the, the fees actually, when you, you weigh in with council fees, training fees, um, pay a... Payments for coaches for the clubs that do pay coaches, um, yep. the, the the registration fee doesn't meet the cost of putting a player on the park.
0: Yeah,
4: well, I guess you know the, what the the club determines um, what the price point is is I guess largely left with the club. Mm. Some clubs will want uh, a better standard of coaching and will invest. In their coaches to you know, raise the bar to hopefully produce higher, higher talented players. Um, but I guess, and that wouldn't be a bad exercise. I think if it's going to provide a level of comfort uh, to those who are actually paying registration fees, you know, um, uh, clubs could make where it uh, transparent where the money is, the breakdown of monies Go, oh, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing.
1: And it gives the parents a choice. I, I know because I spoke to a parent a couple of years back on on this very show um, where they were saying. I actually don't mind if it said in there that X amount of my fees went to paying the first-team players because hopefully one day my child will be one of those players. Mm. So, again, it's just about giving the parents a transparent approach to how we fund our club and how we do things and letting the parent make an informed choice about the club that they want to be with.
4: Yep. Sounds very rational
1: to me, Sean. Mm. Um, We talk about the... What the role of Football West is, and you, you've already said about the um, the administrative side and the the governance side and the development. Um, obviously, we need to do that from somewhere. I believe recently um, you've acquired a property in uh, the old PMH site. Yeah, yeah, we've physically relocated um, from East Perth. Where we were across from um, the the
4: Glory Home Ground. We yeah. were across the road there on Lord Street, and we. We uh relocated just on the other side of Christmas, so we're just turning the um i guess the the office space we have there into a home uh, for now yeah uh, it's just largely to, to accommodate the growth we we were really congested uh, but we got a much better uh, working environment much better uh, place to hold board meetings and to accommodate external stakeholders and um you know finally to the first before it was all open plan and before we' were really uh it's quite congested because we just had uh increased numbers but now you know each of the heads of the department sort of have an office for the first time so it's, uh, it's a better working environment i think the staff please um so for, for us it's a, it's, it's a win for now
1: absolutely and, and hopefully you didn't get one of the former theatres because they wouldn't have a window in it would it <laughs> <laughs>
4: oh there are a couple of offices which don't have windows but um Look, we're really pleased. Uh, I say it, it's a step forward for the staff, a better working environment. And, uh, you know, it was just a bit really congested as to where we were uh, previously. We're actually even dislocated for a short period um, with an element of the business um, occupying up some space in uh, in local government at CLGSC. Yeah. Uh, and they think uh, a little bit harder as well. But we're all, we're all co-located, which is great. Um, we've even got a couple of hot desks to accommodate our regional staff when they do come into Perth, which is something that was a real challenge in the past. So we're, we're pleased
1: where we are. I'm, and running, you know, over two or three sites is n- is never ideal, and you need those particularly yeah. their heads department close by for for making those decisions. A um, home of football is is talked about. Is that still something that you in Football West are engaged in with local government? Yeah, we are. Uh, look, we're, we we are
4: having. You know, really encouraging conversation to um, get a home. You know, every other major code in WA has a home, and I guess every other state of football ha- has a home, and yet we haven't really got one here. So, you know, we're we're, we're pleased to have the announcement from um, Prime Minister last, last year, making a commitment to the State Football Centre, and you know, we're having encouraging conversations with states and local government to um, you know, get some the final piece of funding to be able to make that facility become a reality.
1: And, and would that be wholly for Football West um, or would that be something that you would be sharing with the glory?
4: Uh, look, those conversations to be we had, we obviously would, would extend uh, an invite to the glory. Uh, what that looks like yet is, is still to be determined, but uh, we're they're uh, fully aware and briefed in um, of, of our intention. Uh, so they're currently kind of okay with, a, with a number of sports there in, uh, in Florida, uh, Underwood mm-hmm. Drive. Yeah. Um, but it would be good. It would be good to have, you know, I guess the uh, the not-for-profit and the commercial entity off code. Um, if the code. I guess the governing body now, obviously, our elite players co-located in the one spot. Um, you know, should be a top-grade training facility to accommodate you know, regional events. when We have interstate teams. When we have international teams. We'll have a place to call home. So we're. Um, we're confident of getting an outcome here to make sure that, you know, I guess, the players have got uh, uh, some inspiration yep. from where they hopefully like to um, you know, score a goal there
1: one day. And within that, would there be any consideration for um, an area or space for the Hall of Fame? You know, we, there's a big push across the country, and I think um, as a sport, soccer do it better than most, or football does it better than most, um, is looking after that history of our game. And I know that the, um, the Hall of Fame WA does a fantastic job with that, but it still lacks a home, and that the home of football should be where that is accommodated.
4: Yeah, that's definitely something we can look into. Um, the, you know, the actual um, build is, uh, you know, if, when we receive the final piece of announcement, there'll be um, a number of moving parts to, to look and feel what the end construction looks like, but uh, you make a good point. Uh, the Hall of Fame should be in the home of football, mm. so you know we're well, sure we could look to accommodate. But we have those those discussions when we uh, confirm the final
1: final funding piece. Um, a League license. There was talk years ago of of the glory, uh, sorry, the Football West being interested in running the the second A League license in in uh, Perth. Do you think that's still a dream, or do you think that's something as a competition administrator you shouldn't be doing?
4: I don't think it's something we have an appetite for the here and now. Um, Not to say it's completely off the table. Um, I guess uh, our our focus is to uh, administer competitions and and grow the sport. Um, And we do take uh, some guidance off FFA and um, a a second license. I guess it's not something readily on the radar here and now, but if there's a demand in time, Sure, something we
2: can unpack. I remember <laughs> when that that second license talk came out. I the first thing I did was check the date because I was sure it was April first. Um, I <laughs> I, 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 could, I couldn't imagine Football West. You know, as Tony Sa- Sage has said, running the glory it cost him. You know, he, he loses a few million a year. I, I don't think that's something we'd want Football West to be doing. Um, if there was yeah, a demand for it, yet. and another businessman came in and said, you know, we're going to establish you know, some other uh, team in Perth and there's a demand for it and I'm prepared to fund it. That's one thing, but yeah, no, we wouldn't want, I don't think we'd want the, the governing body to be doing that sort of thing. Be a distraction. Yeah, absolutely.
1: (laughs) Um, now, we talk about the development of the game and, and something that Football West has done for a long time and very well is the development of, of state teams, junior teams, futsal teams um, and that kind of thing. Uh, referee development's been very good and you know now that we've got um, Matthew Cheeseman sitting over there in one of the top jobs, mm. shows that we've got um, a good development um, of our, our own refereeing stocks. One of the things that has been an issue over the years has been the development of the clubs on a governance basis. And I know this year um, there's been a lot of training programs available for for clubs in various areas, sponsorship, um, volunteer engagement, and all those sorts of things. Um, have you had any feedback on, on what the take-up on those has been? We, we would like to see more. So we
4: have been... Um rolling out club development workshops south of the river north yeah. of the river and, and we will continue to run club development workshops for the benefit of the clubs so we've uh, come up with 10 different topics ranging from how to secure a grant how to effectively run a club how to balance the books and some of these workshops uh, are probably more tailored to different appointments so if you want to balance the books obviously the treasurer might be a good fit to attend those ones and we want to run more of them. So mm. I'd rather you know, teach people to fish than give them fish. Uh, I think we've got a responsibility and obligation to to coach and mentor and and help the club succeed and and, and prosper. Because I know there are so many volunteers give so much of their time uh, trying to generate sponsorships or the raffles or sausage sizzles um, to, to help the club. Um, and you know we we feel if we can help them uh, understand a, a process in. How you might secure a grant, or there are ten different topics, um, which whether or not uh, a Football West employee is um, presenting and delivering, or we've engaged some sports consultants also to help to present to the club. Um, Yeah, we we see a real focus area for us is to make sure we are developing clubs. Mm, Uh, So we had ten ten workshops on the other side of Christmas. There's ten more. Uh, out until april already scheduled and we're going to continue to roll these out after the remainder of the year and i see it's ongoing i don't just see it even to, to 2020 uh it's something that's part of our remit as the governing body the state sporting association we we i think we have to
1: oh yeah I, and I think... get better when, when you look around the, the state, I mean, obviously, the grant writing is a skill and you need to know what grants you can go for and, and any help we can get in that is great. We can't always affect whether or not we're in a marginal seat or, um, you know, a Liberal might need an extra vote or two. But, you know, in general, the, the grants need to be written uh, in a certain way. And if you don't know the formula, then you've, you've not got a chance. Uh, 100%, yeah. So it's, uh, They're
4: on our website, the different... um locations and timings and they're invariably about 90 minutes a a topic Um, I know it's hard for civil work uh, so therefore we we acknowledge not everyone can get to all of these but we're just going to keep rolling them I I think for the development
1: for the development of the game you must keep them running um, and you know a lot of complaints that people have is about, oh, we don't know and we don't get told and we don't understand things. And, you know, you, at least you're now putting out that avenue where you go, well, if you, you don't know how to write a grant, we're running this workshop. Um, governance is becoming huge. We were just talking before you came on about Avondale and their breaches on the um, MPL um, over there and what that's cost them. Adelaide City previously have had NRG breaches. Um, and, you know we're getting to a point now where the turnover on these businesses and that, that's what a club is, particularly mm. when you look at an NPL or Division 1 State League or even 2 um, some of them are, are turning over a quarter of a million dollars or more um, and you know the bigger clubs uh, with a lot of juniors in them when you, you're generating those funds you come under a lot more scrutiny and if you're not getting it right it's going to hurt Yeah Yeah. Look, and there are challenges, if you're
4: a volunteer and you haven't got these big family first and your day job second and, and sometimes football comes in third and that's fair enough. It, it's really hard to, to be on top of where, where, where the club is at because it does take a lot of time and I'm continually surprised and impressed uh, when I get to a game and, and I speak with a club committee member, a, a president or someone and, and they say 20, 25 hours. They invest in their club every week. Um, it, it's unpaid and, and they're just doing it for the betterment of their club. So therefore, when I, when I hear those words, A, hey, I'm so... Uh, surprised and impressed that that people have such dedication Um, we've got a responsibility to to run those development workshops because you know, if we don't do it, no one else will. Well, no one else we're, 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 I guess, uh, responsible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, look, one of the things that seems to to be a a problem is the professionalisation of the sport and, you know, we I don't know how we we compare with other states in professional contracts outside of the A-League teams, Um, but I think we're behind. Um, And professionalisation goes all the way through, not just the players, but also the the committees and the management structures. Um, With the money involved, it's no longer just um, someone's little private Enterprise, it's it's actually a, a, a running business where you're dealing with other people's money, and it needs to be um, accountable. And that's why the the governance of a club is such an important thing. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Okay, um, now I see another committees or um, things come on board. You've just recruited uh, three very very good people to um, run a program which is the Brains Trust um, with Jason Pektovic, James Curtis, uh, Laura, Laura Brook were on the opening, um, but there's some fantastic people in there like Tanya Oxtoby, Mitch Davery. Um, what, is, what is the Brains Trust going to do? Oh,
4: you're referring to the Game Development Committee? Yeah. Right. Yeah, look, I think it's a, that's a good step. So we have these subcommittees from the board, so there's the governance risk, there's the finance and audit, and invariably they would channel reports into the board, um, uh, each board meeting. But we felt that there may have been, I guess, uh, uh, a lack of football knowledge being channeled into the board. So, therefore, the establishment of this game development committee would be there to consider um, risks, challenges, uh, pretty much anything football-related that the board want to, I guess, um, have a level of expertise and understanding of the code, and the government committee, uh, sorry, the game development committee, then would also, just like those other two committees, present a report to the board, so the board have a level of comfort and a level of assurance to know that we've got, uh, I guess, recognised experts that have a very detailed understanding of the game, presenting um, recommendations to the board or consider, well, I guess to consider, approve or reject. So it's just, a, uh, I guess it's a sounding board, it's another level of rigour to make sure that the decisions coming out of the board are as good as they can be. So yeah, we do have, um, uh, quite pleased with the makeup of that game development committee. Um, I'm not sure if they've ever had a game development committee in the past, but it would run very much the same as how we run our governance to risk and our finance and audit. So I guess... When there are topics which need to be thrashed out, and you know, management invariably will execute decisions based by the board. This gives the board, uh, I guess, a level of comfort that things are, that might not always be considered get considered by experts. The board has some comfort in their decision making.
1: Sounds so, very similar, though, to the remit of the standing committees in some ways. Mm.
4: Mm, well, the standing committees are probably limited to their their competition. Yeah. Uh, standing committees probably don't look so much in the development pathways or they may not look at the uh, you know, age of engagement quite so much or is a you know like standing committees probably focus on their competition this would be far broader than that
1: yeah okay um, I accept that point uh, it so uh, it just seemed like the the as a collection of all the subcommittees, they or the standing committees, they cover all of those aspects. But I suppose then to have a separate body that you can um, have an overview of the entire business is not a bad thing. And um, particularly when you look at people like uh, Mitch Davray being involved, it's um, certainly got some quality bodies in there. Yeah, some good names there. Yeah, we, we were pleased to have
4: some heavy hitters, incredible, respected, and. You know, they they bring a level of expertise which you know, we would always welcome.
1: Okay, um, when when you go to work in the morning, what do you think is your biggest challenge that you you know as a, an entity, Football West, need to, to um, attack or have to, to face? Well, you
4: know, As you'd appreciate, we have so many uh, passionate supporters, followers, players, coaches, referees, parents. Um, it the, the external environment is is challenging trying to please everyone all the time with everything um the, the staff are always busy there's there's no one there sitting on their hands. it's a it's a it's a busy workplace I'm having worked in many many different organizations myself it's one of the busier ones we don't have um whilst our footprint has grown everyone's busy and, and i would say you know, making sure that we can um administer the game that's our focus that's our external facing our member services are, are, are a busy team um, but making sure we're you know, we're consistent we're transparent and uh, providing the best product and you know there's always room to improve but message from the board is more football uh, you know whether that be beach football or walking football or you know, a corporate challenge or a regional country week or you know there's many different formats, but first and foremost is uh, administering. I guess the the competitions that we have uh, is our centre of gravity, our primary focus. And then we want to build on that to make it more accessible. You have different formats, different times, different structures. Probably make it more accessible, and you might you know reach out to a different demographic. That which is good to get, get more more participants involved in the game.
1: Oh, absolutely. Look, I think we're all passionate and, you know, you you don't have to look any further than your own office when you've got people like Alex Novatsis there that, uh, you know, live and breathe the game. So um, there's there's a thousand people out there doing exactly the same thing and uh, with exactly the same um, passion. Um, so I think that's one of the, the things. Managing that passion is sometimes difficult. Um, people do tend to, to, to run first and then, you know, not stop and think. And I suppose... Um, with your background being in the military, you, you're a you're a strategic, you're a planner, you're a thinker, and you, you don't get caught up in the emotion of it. And you, it's that emotional management is always a problem, isn't it?
4: Yes, yep. Uh, they, I try and tell the staff that no one's going to get shot, yeah. and no one's, everyone's going to put their head on the pillow at the end of the night, and everyone has no one has fear of not waking up. So just do the best that they can do. Um, because some of the hours a guy carries, and it's all because they want to make sure they provide the best service. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, they there is a bit of emotion on, on occasions, but I tell like, them you know, just remain calm. It's, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's not the end of the world, and uh, make sure we, we're, as long as we're consistent and transparent. When you move outside of competition rules, that's when you sort of get into shaky territory.
1: Oh, so that's what so legal are for, sure. though.
4: Yeah, so that's why we say, mate, in accordance with, here are the yeah. rules, as long as I don't stray outside them. Um, yeah, and then, then it's you know it's, it's fair and consistent for
1: all. Absolutely. Um, you know, you've been with us for how long, Greg? Uh, I
4: think we're coming up to 18 months
1: now. Okay. That's a, a fair while. So you've, you've got a good handle on things, and you're obviously planning to stay for a while.
4: I'm continually learning. I can definitely say that. Um, it, it's still... Uh, a lot to learn to be fair I'd like to spend a bit more time in the regions to get an appreciation of the, the associations because I know they are trying to do their best and probably would like to spend a bit of time with the executives on occasions to, you know, to get their messages heard and felt and uh, some of the challenges that they face um, but yeah I'm constantly learning I, I do draw upon staff's advice um, I'm really pleased you know Jamie Arnold has been in the game a long time he's mentioned yeah. Alex mm-hmm. has been in the game a, a, a long time so you know their, their, their counsel is is well appreciated and we've got some pretty good coaching stocks which um you know uh, are great for me to learn from um, but yeah you know I, I say i'm constantly discovering <laughs> and learning as the go but I, I think we are progressing. i mean registrations only a good place be my numbers are in a good place uh, from where we were and we've still got you know, further goals to, to reach
1: Absolutely. Look, I think you've got a huge portfolio. There's there's lots of different streams that people are, are not aware of. We all get a bit insular about the, the area of the game that we're involved in. Um, and it's just nice to be able to talk to the man that's to blame for everything that's gone wrong. So <laughs> I really do appreciate your time. It's nice <laughs> to have someone to blame. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. think skin,
4: bull shoulders, that's fine. It sort of comes with the territory a little bit. But, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's making sure that we, we, we do respond in a, in a timely fashion and, and sometimes that's a challenge there's the volume of, of um, inquiries and calls we get is, is quite large. Yeah. Um, but I, I think we are moving in the right direction.
1: Yeah, I know one person has had a little grumble to me about you not answering his emails, but, you know, I'm yes. sure you'll get round to it shortly.
4: <laughs> could, be, could be one of many.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Thank you very much for your time, Greg. Not
4: a worry, Sean. Thanks for the call.
1: Thanks, mate. See ya. Take care. Bye-bye. Greg Bleicher, who um, is the Chief Operating Officer of Football West, um, not a job that's enviable. You know, there, there is so much passion out there in football. Absolutely. World and, you know, appreciate his these, these sense of humour. But um, and there's, there's a lot to, to do when you, you're sitting in that. And they, 39 staff sounds like a lot, but it's not an yeah. awful yeah. lot. And I
2: mean, you're right, it's, it's that role where you're going to cop the blame for anything that happens that goes yeah. wrong.
1: Well. But I like the way they've gone. I mean, the development workshops for the the clubs, um, as long as it's not a one-off, because at the moment, I think, over Christmas, people are just, you know, people call it the off-season. Anyone who's involved in administering a club knows that you're busiest between October and March. Um, And then once the season's up and running, that kind of the pedals off a little bit yep. um, but there's never really a quiet time in football no, no. Uh, uh, but it is important that clubs invest in going to these seminars uh, you know being able to write a good claim or a good um, grant application is, is vitally important but knowing how to the governance of the club engaging sponsors engaging volunteers all of those things are you know Core skills that you need at a committee level. That's right. That's right.
2: And it's and it's good that the clubs are getting the chance to get that.
1: Yeah. yeah. So it's not just about play development; it's about development of the the other committees and other things that go on. Hmm. Yeah. So um, now look, good luck to him. He's, he's been there eighteen months. Um, I've met him a couple of times. I met him at a hall of fame function. He is, although not a, a soccer man by by birth but yeah. he's he's very passionate about his job and about the, the role he has and although he was in another sport it's, it's quite similar to football in its structure so I think you know those skills are always transferable but um, sometimes it's good to have someone who's not in that Passionate mode.
2: Yes, yes. Uh, Well, dispassionate is what you're looking for. Dispassionate. Yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely, and particularly at that level. So you know, um, I think he's doing a good job. We'll see how he goes. Yeah, that's
2: right. And if not, we can blame him for anything that goes wrong.
1: No. Well, during the uh, the last few weeks, we've we've been having the um, night series. We've We've had the um, MPL night series. That's right. Yeah. And what's the latest in the in the MPL night series? The latest. So
2: if we're going through the uh, the results, if my website brings it up. No? Okay, so we'll go through the fixtures anyway. So coming yeah. up today, uh, or tonight, uh, Delmatnatic Park, uh, Coburn City is hosting Florida Athena, uh, and down at Frank Drago, Bayswater City is at home against Perth Soccer Club, and Rockingham City is at... Uh, hosting. Not hosting, it's at uh, Frank Drago yeah. against ECO Joondalup and in Group 2. Uh, Sorrento is playing Guelph and Guelph sitting top of their group, I noticed. Yes. So that's, that's that's next week's one. Okay, that's Friday next week. There we okay. go. So the fixtures are all over the place. So, that's, yeah. The, yeah, that's next week's one.
1: But, but there are games out there, that, particularly if you get yourself down to um, Coburn tonight, you can that's see right. a couple of games.
2: Right. Okay, and uh, recent results. So last night, Valentine's Day, uh, Percy Doyle hosted, uh, was the venue for Sorrento, losing 2-1 at home against Inglewood. Uh, Perth Glory had a three-one win over Balcatta, uh, and the other game tonight at Armadale—sorry, uh, at, at uh Park—is Armadale against Wellup. So that should be a corker of a game, actually.
1: It should be. It's some very good games there. I think uh, Sorrento um, haven't had a particularly good night series though. No.
2: How much? How much of an indication of uh, how a team will go in the NPL proper do you think the night series is?
1: That's not, is it? I mean, Floriot won it and then had a horrible season yeah. um, last year. They won it and had a good season. It's it's absolutely no indicator whatsoever. It's an opportunity for coaches to try out players, formations, and other things. Some some clubs take it deadly serious. I was going to
2: say, yeah, I think you'll find yeah. some clubs probably go hard. Go, yeah, you know, this is this is how we're going to play during the season, so we'll go hard in the night. It's, no, it's a, a good.
1: It's a good chance to play some fringe players and see how they go, Um, it's a good chance to trial some players you've not had before see how they fit with your system as I said some clubs take it deadly serious and other clubs it's really just about experimentation and then particularly when you're in dv 1 or Divi 2 and you've got an absolute star. You might try and hide them from <laughs> anyone else who wants to pinch them off you because it's not always not always a good thing to to show your hand too early. So yeah. I think Don calls it the silly season.
2: Yeah, I, well I can see why of you if yeah you're doing that.
1: Absolutely. All right. Um, coming up next is Jason Lewis. He is with the WA Power Wheelchair. Um, they're, they're starting their season yep. very, very shortly. Um, if anybody is feeling a bit low about where they are, they're feeling that the, you know, life's dealt them a tough hand. You need to get onto the Power Wheelchair website and have a look at some of those videos, and just look at how these people are enjoying the game of football when they're in a wheelchair. Yep. Uh, they are absolutely inspirational. Um, you know, you look at them and you think. What have I got to complain about?
2: Yeah, yeah I've seen them playing down at Loftus. And, and yeah. And I actually noticed, so it's um, Bayswater and Floriot. Yes. Are the two clubs. And I actually noticed that uh, Sarah Kerr is one of the Floriot players. And yes. apparently she is a cousin of Sam Kerr.
1: Yes. So Yeah, no, look, there's some very talented um, lads. There's, there's one guy, uh, name forgets me, but I think they call him the, the Messi of power wheelchair football. <laughs> um, you know, he it's incredible what they do, and watch watch how they take free kicks. Um, you know, you you've got this person who's um, paraplegic, quadriplegic, um, and they're just the the more able bodied people who do a complete three hundred and sixty at speed, and then ball goes flying. It's just crazy. <laughs> it is absolutely yeah. crazy, and the smiles on them is just absolutely it's it's inspirational Uh, we'll talk to Jason about what they they do how they do it and and where they need some help because they obviously do need some help so we'll be back with Jason after this break Gate and Fence Hardware WA is
4: your hardware shop online find all the parts you need to fix make and secure your gates and fences Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA.
2: Station sponsor. Do you want better strata management? Put Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. We provide value for money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly. And we provide prompt professional service with 30 years experience, which is why our clients recommend us. Your property is our concern. See prosperitystratamanagement.com.au Station Sponsor
0: The top station on your
1: radio dial,
2: Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Hi, I'm Don Evans, proud to be part of the World Football Programme team on Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. We're on air from 10 to 12 noon every Saturday. If you miss the show, you can retrieve it via the archive on the station website, radiofremantle.com. It's only there for one week and will overwrite with the following week's show. If you would like a copy of any part of the program, the station is happy to supply your moment of fame in various formats for a small cost. Ring the station officers weekdays on 9494 Thanks for listening to the World Football
1: Programme. i don't know why don does that little bit woohoo at the end there but you know he's he's a lad um now we're talking before the the ad break about the power wheelchair association (coughs) and what they do jason lewis is with them and he joins us on the line now good morning jason how are you
0: yeah good thank
1: you sean and stuff yeah good mate um the power wheelchair season starts very shortly when when does all the action start
0: uh, well, we have our season launch starting on uh, Sunday, the 23rd of February. Um, off is at uh, 10.30 in the morning for that one. We've got a couple of little um, speeches we're going to do beforehand, and then the game gets kicked off, um, and that'll be um, at the Loftus Recreation Centre in Leedormall.
1: Mm. okay and there's a, a couple of local clubs have really got involved in in the power wheelchair as in uh bayswater and floriat um how important is that uh, assistance to the the sport
0: um, oh, that's a huge assistance to us um it gives us some sort of a structure when we're playing our games as well because we do you know now we've got we play one team as flort and the other one as bayswater so um it really provides that atmosphere and uh uh, it really just encourages the players to want to come down and play their best for, for those clubs, and they also assist with um, helping us with the uniforms that we play in as mm. well, so um, yeah, it's, it's great all round.
2: Did did the players get to choose which club they line up with, or how did, how did that work? How was that uh, split up between the teams?
0: Um, we just um, picked a couple of teams, and um, yeah, one team went that way, and <laughs> one team went that way. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, no, there wasn't anybody that was... Well, I, well we actually did. We kind of um, aligned a few people that live within uh, um, like the catchment areas of Bayswater. Water. We've got a, a one guy out there, so he's on the Bayswater team. We've got another guy out um, He lives out near Florida Way, so you know, he's playing for Florida, so, Yeah, Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: Um now the the season it's it's a, a sport that's heavily reliant on a number of things. The, the equipment, as in the chairs, is not cheap, but also the um, the amount of volunteers that you need. So, um, how are you going for things like sponsors and volunteers? Um, yeah, well, we
0: have can always do with um, sponsors. It's very expensive for us to um, travel because we go to Sydney twice a year um, to play. At One's at the Nationals and the other one at the um, National Club Championships. So, um, to have the support and help to get there, it's um, really quite important for us because the cost that's involved, um, you know, we take our own support staff, um, we have to travel with you know, two chairs, and um, so it gets quite heavy. So, some of us even have to take two carers along with us to help us um, to play the sport, and that's more and more to the cost. So um, the more financial help that we can get, the, the
1: better off we'll be. Mm. Um, um, what sort of barriers are there for, for someone who is playing? I mean, I imagine that someone who is a fan of football or would like to get into a sport who's in a, a wheelchair or is wheelchair bound probably thinks that there's nothing for them. Um, How do you get the word out? How do do people know that they can be involved? And at that level, um, can they play in their own equipment or do they need to borrow something a bit more robust?
0: Um, They can play in their own equipment. As soon as they've been an electric wheelchair that they use for day-to-day mobility, um, they can come along and play. Um, We can sometimes adapt a little bar that goes around the front for kicking the ball on the chairs, but... Um, in all honesty, the day-to-day chairs aren't the safest chair to be playing in. Um, so we, there are specialised, what, um, like wheelchairs that we that we um, that we use,
3: yeah,
0: um, and they're all personally, individ- you know, they're individualised to each person. So um, mm. the cost is quite expensive for those, but mm. we are trying to, you know, try and raise some money and funds so we can get a, a you know, maybe an extra one of the sports chairs down there. People can come down, have a go, get into one of those chairs and play the
1: sport safely. Yeah, and, and what sort of sort of barriers are there? Is there a point where you go, no, I'm sorry, but it's just too dangerous for you to play, or is, is everybody welcome?
0: Um, everybody's welcome. And I guess I suppose they have to be able to understand the rules and be able to play the game yep. without... Um, you know, causing any damage and having mm. good control of their chair as well because, you know, we don't want to be putting other people in harm or anything like that, so it kind of is limited a little bit that way, but that's very rare that
1: that happens and we come across that, so... Uh, the having things like an oxygen bottle or, or whatever, because I suppose that can be tethered down quite strictly and um, is not an issue, even though it's, it can be a, a potentially dangerous thing? Um, no,
0: that's all fine, that's all well... A lot of the guys, um, you know, they're reliant on um, oxygen, you know, and they, they carry that on the back of their chairs. They've got yeah. special machines and it's all um, on the new chairs, on the sport chairs. They're, you know, they're all designed for safety and they're compact and it's easy to drive around and stuff like that. So um, I guess our safety is the most paramount thing when we are playing sports in the wheelchairs. Mm, Yeah.
1: Now, when we talk about volunteers, what sort of people do you, or volunteers, are you looking for? I mean, is there a certain skill set? Is there certain roles that volunteers can have, like linesmen or scorers? Or do you actually need people that can physically assist someone in and out of the chair? We
0: just need um, pretty able-bodied people to be able to to run the sidelines and, you know, even for extra you maybe a specialised referee at some stage, that somebody really just wants to concentrate on the refereeing. At the moment, we're just using um, uh, some of our carers and stuff like that, which is not ideal because the carers are really there to support the, the people that are playing. And, yeah. And um, mm. if they need anything on or off the court, then you know, they're able to do that. But one of them is refereeing the match. It uh, makes it a little bit difficult to, to do that. So... anybody who wants to, you know, maybe come down and volunteer and and, um, learn how to referee our games, that would be fantastic, or do the sidelines, just any sort of assistance really, Um, you know, even if we have people um, that are able to help us with promoting the sport in some some form, Um, yeah, just all help is welcome.
1: Okay. Now you you said able bodied, but does does someone who maybe doesn't want to play the game but is in a power wheelchair could they run a line or referee? Um, is that a possibility?
0: Um, they probably couldn't run the line because so we have to be able just to still pick the ball up and put it on the line. Oh way. yeah, but, yep. You know, they, they can probably help um, do the do the storing or that. or yep. you know, we can we can um, organise something for them to do. this for sure to be able
1: to participate. Absolutely. And,
0: you know, and volunteers, you
1: know, everybody loves volunteers down the game, create the atmosphere. Yeah. Oh, look, and, and just people to come down and watch because I, I think, you know, um, all of us like to play in front of a crowd and I think, you know, what the the guys do is, is ab- absolutely admirable. Um, there is a lot of help out there. I know from a personal level we've advertised for um some people to help with our online marketing at the uh, club level and had an overwhelming response so i know there are people out there that are willing to get in and get engaged and and to do these things um you know uh, and obviously for you guys um to run video for promos etc there's, there's a lot of people out there who are willing to get behind it so uh, best of luck with getting some volunteers if someone is out there and they want to either donate some money or they want to know how they can volunteer, how do they get in contact with you?
0: Um, they can get in um, contact with us via our uh, webpage. Uh, it's wapfa.org.au. Uh, that site again is au.
2: And we've just uh, and linked it, it on our Facebook my, page. My, so just to
1: make it easy for our listeners we've linked that in on our Facebook page so if anyone out there who's listening and didn't have enough time to write that down get onto our our Facebook page and you've already linked us in so that's good
0: and we've also got uh, our um, Facebook page as well uh, checkbook Football
1: WA yep so people
0: can
1: just look that up and and, and go to those things that's great Jason I think you know what you guys do is absolutely outstanding um you know, that utmost admiration for the, the athletes themselves, but um, for you guys that, that actually make it accessible and you know, the work that you do. I know we, we talk about football volunteers in club land putting a lot of time in. I know that you do um, in and out of the, your own time. So um, really appreciate what you do for the sport. Oh, thank you very much for that.
0: Uh, it's, it's great. And it's very rewarding, you know, just watching these guys play. Mm. Well, I still play every now and then, but it's only up to these guys now that play, um, you know, the younger guys are coming through now, so and they're getting much better um, year to year. We've, it's, it's been a, a long, hard slog, and, you know, we've started in 2012, and it's only up to this year now that we've got affiliations with the, the local clubs and the community, which is fantastic. And, and spread the word, and yeah,
1: on the state level affiliation through the clubs. I know um, West Sydney Wanderers and Glory are heavily behind you guys as well. So you know that exposure and that support is is um, absolutely unbelievable. And I think you know um, we all need to get involved and get behind um, you guys because what you do is fantastic. Yeah, thanks. That's,
0: yeah, it is. It's great. And like I say, we just want to be able to provide a sport that. People can play that, yeah you know, uh, they, they pretty much use uh, their wheelchairs every day, and they can't just get up and run around so mm. know,
1: um, to, and that's what I love uh, about football Well, mm. what I love about football is there's always a way to enjoy it yep. um and i said as I said to you before, and I said to Pete in the earlier part, nothing more inspirational when you're feeling a bit down about yourself to look at what the what these guys go through for the, for the their sport. And you think, what have I got to complain about? You know, I think it's, it's an inspiration to all of us. So thank you very much for your work and thank you for your time this morning.
0: Uh, thank you very much, Sean.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Jason. say.: ya.
0: Pleasure.
1: Okay, Jason Lewis, who is with the WA Power Chair um, Wheelchair Association, they're fantastic people. Absolutely, fantastic. Uh, and you know this, if you've got to get behind anything, get behind this because um, yeah, they are they are absolutely mad. And
2: you're right about you can just see how much they're enjoying it when they're out there as well. So. Yeah,
1: that's what this game you can love it at so many levels. Um, one of the people I was hoping to speak to this morning, the game is actually kicked off or, or the recording starts at ten o'clock was the e-league. Um, players. We've got um, two new players in this year um, Sarge Singh and um, Dylan Gomez so they're they're two of them very good players for the E-League I think the, the Perth Glory E-League team this year is very strong and we'll, we'll be up there of thereabouts um, but they're, they're a couple of characters <laughs> but the E-League following is absolutely massive yes it yes. is huge and people that have no interest in football follow the E-League because they're all interested in the gaming and then when you talk to people like Sarge Singh and um, they're like they've these are all guys who sit in their bedroom, sitting there on the, on the PlayStation, you know, 10 years ago, with mum going, it'll never lead to anything. And now here they are, they're professional sportsmen, you know. Um, well, take the problem take is that man. they're also
2: a bit of an inspiration for the other kids that want to sit there and do nothing. It's like, see, I can do this, and Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, they can, they and can. Uh, yeah. you can't take that away from them. But, again, any exposure at any level about this game is brilliant, and I think that's what we've, we've got to be following. And, you know, as I said, these guys do a marvellous, marvellous job, and we've got to get behind them. Um, we'll be talking to Derek Pollock very shortly, but I've just seen something pop up on my um, my, my, thing here. Yes. Beal Park nets a $9 million makeover. Yes, yes. That's great news. That's... Um, so... An injection of state and local government funding to transform the home of Bill Park, um, one of Coburn's largest reserves. That's just outstanding.
2: Well, the club rooms there uh, have been there for quite a long time. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was playing Sunday leagues there in the early 2000s. Yeah. um, You'd get that little tingle every time you turned the the showers on, so there was a little bit of an electrical tingle. Yeah, which... Now I'm hearing ads saying yeah. you're supposed to report that, and I'm yeah. like, geez, I don't know. But So it's probably about time that the, the club room's got to make over.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I, I can remember playing there in, in the late 80s um, yep. in the State League, three or four at the time. I can't remember where it was now. But, um, yeah, I can remember playing down there. It was um, a nice little venue. I enjoyed playing there. Yeah. Always did. All right. um, We've got Derek Pollock coming up after this break and we'll talk to him about the uh, Champions League, but I think we might get bogged down in talking about City and their, (laughs) their troubles and woes at the moment. So we'll be back after these. They can say what they want now.
5: West Coast Futsal Association has social competitions at Hollywood Futsal Club in West Perth and the Mount Lawley Futsal Club. Competitions are open for new players looking for a kick-around with mates from Monday to Friday. For those looking at high-level futsal, there is the Junior Leagues in up on weekends and the male and female Super League competitions based in Subiaco. For more information, contact Brittany on 0481 881343.
0: Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM.
3: Hi, I'm Rose, a junior trainee at Oswest Fencing and Raw Time. I am the fourth generation of our family business. Oswest Fencing is built on 50 years of experience creating unique fencing and gates and servicing the West Australian community. Let us help you secure and refurbish your home or business with customised materials and automation made to laugh. Ring us on 9258 6822 to discuss your ideas or visit our online galleries at auswestfencing.com.au That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au
1: Station Sponsor Now, we're going to be talking to Derek Pollock very shortly. There's um, been some massive news out of Europe <laughs> lately. Um, and, you know, when you just need a City fan, oh, one pops up. Morning, Derek. How are you? <laughs> Good, mate, Sean. How are you? Good, mate. Um, I know we were talking about doing an a EPL um, catch-up and the Champions League, but this morning's news just blew me away. I've still got cornflakes lodged in my nose. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Yeah, look, it's a really fascinating story. It's been uh, building and bubbling in the news over the past sort of couple of months, really, and ever since that huge Had deal was announced, and this morning is just that final sort of piece of the information. But, I mean, realistically, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's layers to this sort of story, and it, it's been pretty fascinating on a variety of levels.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's... There's going to be an appeal. I can't see the city won't appeal it. I mean, two years out of European Oh, their first statement already said
5: they're going to appeal it.
1: Yeah, um, and a lot of it is around how this evidence was was um, actually gained. I mean, it was a it was as a result of another investigation where they've um, someone's in, actually in jail for it. So um, legally, I think they've got they've got a case. Yeah, and I
5: think. Again, this is where we where I start talking about the sort of the various layers of the story. So, for listeners that aren't totally around the story, it's based around the sponsorship that the club received uh, and the links between where the sponsorship money was coming from and um, Sheikh Mansour, the owner of the club, yeah. from Abu Dhabi. And so, they, they, the the UAE, basically said that you know that they were given more money by the owner that they shouldn't have got, and that meant that. Um, they were, they sort of, in the UEFA's words, illegally managed to sort of circumvent the financial fair play rules. And yeah. City deny any wrongdoing. Pep Guardiola has come out and said the club has told me they haven't done anything wrong. Um, and so, yeah, toing and throwing around that. However, a lot of it came out um, in the German newspaper, things, um, Spiegel. Yes. And there was a lot of news reports around that. And that's when City started to get um, very publicly annoyed by saying, how has. A newspaper got all of this information that was supposedly confidential,
1: mm. Mm. and and, you and know, so Yep, anything electronic is is not confidential these days. It's yep. so easy to get hold of.
5: Yeah, exactly that. You know, but where I think at the end of the day, um, it's it's like anything really, isn't it? It's going to come down to not what has happened. But what should have happened, and what legally is that has been allowed to happen, and City have obviously are obviously going to try and. What um, they've already in their initial statement. I mean, how quick their statement came out tells me that they've had their statement written, expecting news like this for quite some time. Mm. And they said that it was a biased investigation. It was um, done by people who want to see but these it, kind of fail. But it was and a, so that the
1: leak it was the it was a, a biased um investigation the the, the head of UEFA said before it started that they were guilty and then UEFA have been the judge jury and executioner um you know when they when they predetermined the outcome prior to the any investigation and then at the end of the process go, you're guilty <laughs> it's biased yeah and that's the, the basically that's what the
5: city are saying and so city has said um in the first instance, they will appeal to the Court of Arbitration of Sport. So, what yeah. you can sort of infer from that comment is that if they um, if they appeal and lose at the Court of Arbitration of Sport, then they're probably going to appeal to, I think, the European High Commission uh, and various levels there. Um, and again, because of the leaks, because of the nature of the investigation that seems outwardly prejudicial, you'd think they'd probably have a pretty good chance. But at the end of the day. I feel what's, what it's going to come down to is like when any government tries to go after um, a corporation for tax avoidance. Man City have probably better lawyers and better accountants than UEFA do. Yeah. And realistically, that's what it comes down to is you know who who can you know they can they can obfuscate as much as they want and sort of hide money where they need to and and that's I feel what's going to end up happening.
1: Oh, absolutely. But I think there's there's also apart from the legal side of it, there is a moral side of it. And irrespective of the the rules around financial fair play, how the evidence was gained, it's fairly apparent that they did have some mechanisms in place to hide where the money was actually coming or going from to circumvent the fair play. So um, I think they're they're going to get they're going to get, for another words, a pineapple somehow. But it's just <laughs> about where it hits them, um, and that's that's the important part. And I think they morally, the brand is damaged. Um, and that that's going to have some effect, very much like the Perth Glory after the um, the salary cap scandal.
5: Oh, I, I, yeah, I don't feel the damage to the brand will be that big because um, they'll probably get some form of finance. But this is, I guess, we come back to the whole idea of financial fair play, and that itself is hugely problematic. You know, the justification given for financial fair play is to stop clubs going bust. Yeah, but the only clubs that go bust are the ones right at the bottom end of the football pyramids that have no um, view of European football anyway. No. They're the only clubs that do go bust. The ones at the top don't. But then even then, if you look at the punishments that you basically give out, it's that you're spending a dangerous amount of money to, for your clubs to financial health. So we're going to solve that by taking away a competition where you can get more money and giving you a fine. So even, even the, the punishments given out show that they know clubs aren't actually in financial harm. Mm. And that's the whole justification given for financial
1: fair play. Absolutely. And then but even we, then... Yep, so when, when, when you look at the history of it, I mean, Chelsea had a similar thing with their transfers, and even then, over a period of time, that penalty was, was gradually reduced down to the point where it's no longer a problem for them. So, UEFA are not known for having very sharp teeth.
5: No, absolutely not. But even UEFA... Um, yeah, I mean, many people from outside of the top few clubs saw what FFP was really, and it's a way of, of um, keeping the elite elite and stopping a Chelsea, stopping a City happening again. And, you know, Chelsea got in when the going was good before Financial Fair Play was a thing, mm. and they spent lots of money, built that brand up, and now they can break even if they need to. You know, City spent a lot of money initially, and now they have the ability to... to you know, they, they made a profit last year. So yeah. Financial Fair Play you know that they've, they've achieved what they needed to do by making the club self, self-sustaining yeah. that required some hundreds of millions of pounds of losses initially but I mean at the end of the day that's not an issue for City because it's not a football club is it it's a, no. it's a propaganda vehicle for us for so, you yeah.
1: know, an oil state one thing for certain this is not the end of it um, I'm buying a big, box, <laughs> of, big pop, box of popcorn I'm getting the armchair and I'm strapping in for a long ride
5: but even um, the criticism of City is, is laughable, you know. Like Javier Tebas, the um, le- the president of La Liga, he keeps talking about financial doping yeah. um, of these clubs, but he forgets that Real Madrid has has received, you know, numerous um, instances of state aid in the past. Um, the entire financial structure of Real Madrid was built on let's go into lots and lots of debt to buy all these good players, and then dare a bank to try and be the bank that bankrupts. Madrid, you know no bank is is brave enough to (laughs) to get the the you know the financial slaughter, the the political fallout of bankrupting the biggest club in the world you know and then that's how they run their business and so it's
1: i didn't know they had
5: double standards everywhere here
1: i didn't know they had alan bond as a consultant (laughs) his (laughs) policy was borrow that borrow that much money from the bank that you are the bank yeah exactly (laughs) yeah um all right so Champions League is um, coming on. We've got the, the first round away. We, we've got um, Atletico Madrid playing Liverpool um, in the, the first leg of their home and away fixture. Um, Liverpool, unstoppable. I mean, mm. as far as the, the Premier League goes, they're 22 points ahead of everyone else. Um, I don't know if they can blow it from there, but if anyone can, they can. <laughs> um, but uh, reigning champions in Europe um, up against Madrid,
5: well, I mean, just a word to Liverpool's dominance in the Premier League. Manchester City are currently second, yeah. and they're closer in points to 14th than, than they are to
1: first. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah.
5: yeah, Which speaks to just how far ahead Liverpool are this season. But, I mean, Atletico versus Liverpool is one of those ties that this season on paper looks hilariously one-sided. It looks like Liverpool are going to run to an extraordinarily comfortable win, which could very well happen, because Atletico are having a hugely problematic season. But, again, it's Atletico, it's football, it's Europe. Um, yep. You know, things rarely go to plan. And so this is one of those really difficult ones to call because Atletico could pull an old-school Diego Simeone performance out of the bag and and, and just shut up shop.
1: Yeah,
5: and, and then counter a win. But, I mean, are, are, you know, you're predicting Liverpool to go through because Atletico are just having a season. Yep. The whole season, this is really has just been a mare.
1: Dortmund, PSG? <laughs>
5: yeah, again, yes. Right. Uh, one of those ones, isn't it? Dortmund um, were all going all right and then dropped off a bit this season. Um, Paris are uh, just swatting away any competition as they always do in Ligue 1. Yeah. But then they've just got these huge frailties and this what people are calling a lack of character, which means that when they're going, it gets tough. And again, this is partly I feel because of their dominance it, um, domestically means that they never really get challenged. And so when they do get challenged, they don't know how to cope with it. And they just fall apart in the Champions League. But I mean, at the end of the day, I just can't expect anyone except for PSG to go through out of that tie. No.
1: Atletico versus Valencia. Oh, Adal-
5: Atalanta. Atalanta, at- um, at- at- yeah. So, again, Ad- Atalanta have been started out the season a little bit poorly, started out the group a little bit poorly, but have been on fire lately. They put seven goals past, I think it was Sassuolo the other week in um, in Serie A, and have just played really good football. So, you know, um, Valencia had a few issues, uh, they sacked their, their manager at the start of the season um, against all of the players' wishes to the where players were the, the club said players are no longer allowed to do any media duties because they didn't want them speaking to the media. That's how angry they were with the sacking of the manager. Yeah. But the manager annoyed, annoyed the president and that's what happened. Yeah. So you'd expect Atalanta to go through that one.
1: Um, Spurs versus uh, Leipzig.
5: Ooh, who knows this one? You know, Jose Mourinho specialises in winning.
6: Yeah.
5: You know, even at the expense of watchable football. But, um, but by the same token, he is still relatively new at Tottenham. Things haven't been going that well for him. Harry Kane's probably going to be out for this one. Um, and Leipzig have got this really, really exciting to watch young talent of um, young couple players. They've got Julian Nagelsmann, who's probably the, the most up-and-coming manager. Uh, in the world and they've got that sort of high press at a football so you know I I wouldn't be surprised if if Leipzig went through in this one
1: No true and uh, we've got Chelsea versus um, Bayern Bayern Bayern, yeah yeah you've got to uh,
5: this is you you sort of alluded to this earlier with Chelsea's transfer ban Um, I just it's laughable they spend all this money and time and effort trying to get this transfer ban Shortened so that they can buy players in the January transfer window, and it works. Yep. and then they don't buy anyone in the January transfer window. I
1: know, you know that's that's crazy.
5: Yep. Yeah, I mean, they find uh, they've now signed the V F from Ajax, um, but that doesn't go through to the end of the season. So you look, you'd, you'd expect Bayern to comfortably win this one. They were sitting seventh or eighth in yep. um, the Bundesliga a few months ago, and since Hansi Flicks come in full time, he's just propelled them to the top oh. of the league. So you know, you'd, you'd, you'd
1: expect in-form, that to happen. Informed side. Um, Napoli yeah. versus Barcelona, another one-sided one.
5: No, you, no, not this season. Well, <laughs> well I mean, again, what's you know, what, what is football? You know, it's, it's it's yeah, it's eleven versus eleven. Unpredictable, yeah. if it's anything. Absolutely. Barcelona sacked um, Ernesto Valverde, um, and it was just totally bizarre. You know, but again, the last two seasons they had a unlosable lead in the first leg two seasons ago against Roma, and then they lost it. Uh-huh. Unlosable first first uh, leg lead, lead against Liverpool last season. They lost it. That's when Valverde should have been sacked, but he wasn't because he won the league in those two seasons. Um, but then, halfway through this season, Barcelona were talking to people. They sacked him without having a replacement in line. Tried to get Xavi, but Xavi's like, "Well, I'm currently coaching, and you know, I'll come at the end of the season." They went, "Oh, okay." Then they tried to get Ronald Koeman, and he's like, "Well, I'm preparing for the Euros, which is the end of the season." Ask me then. Yeah, um, ended up getting Kike end. who went back to the sort of Barcelona style of high you know, high possession and possession as a means of defence. But, you know, the results haven't been great. Um, but then again, Napoli are also in absolute chaos at the moment. You know, at one point this season, were, the owner was coming out and threatening to sack every single player. <laughs> and yeah. he was finding people who were threatening to sue the players. Um, Ancelotti got sacked. Players
1: were just, uh, yeah, being... But who's, who's going to win? So, Pardon? Who's going to win this one? Ah, uh, I guess Barcelona, just based on that, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right, Leon, Leon and Juve? Ah, uh, yeah, you got to stick with the Juve for this one. Leon, have been good, but Juve
5: are just Juve.
1: Yeah, and they got a very special player, so you do have to back them. And then the, the big yeah, one. Yeah, he's, uh, he's quite good. <laughs> two two relatively well matched teams, and I think this is the the, the match of the the entire round, is uh, Real Madrid versus Man City.
5: Yeah, fascinating matchup. You know, Guardiola hasn't had any Champions League success since the last time he won it with Barcelona. Um, there's a lot of pressure on him to, to to do well this time. He's been extraordinarily unlucky the last two seasons. Um, but again, Real Madrid, you've got back to Zidane, who, despite some... Questions they've had in the league. Um, he's suddenly turned the form around of the league. They're really good defensively now. Um, and yeah, he knows how to win this Champions League tie, famously won back to back to back. So, you know, you, I, I can see City winning it, but you'd have to say Real Madrid is a favourite based on his current form. Yeah. You know, Guardiola's got a habit of overthinking things in the Champions League and changing the formula that works to one that doesn't. Um, but again, like there's been sort of some pretty unlucky, t- unlucky moments with the VAR last season against Tottenham, where Sergio Aguero was a couple of toes offside, and then not having VAR the previous season yeah. against Liverpool, where someone was was not offside but flagged on as offside. Oh, so get over you know. it. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Get,
6: so, get
5: yeah, over remember, it. <laughs> curious,
1: is, yeah, is my tip. All right, mate. No, look, pleasure having you on. Great to hear what you think about the the city situation at the moment and uh, terrific uh, feedback about the the Champions League. I'm looking forward to the this first round and and the, the following up legs. So um, lots and lots of football out there in Europe. But thank you very much, Derek. Thanks, John. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Yeah, it's just all go. Um, yeah, the. City thing, I think, is going to be interesting. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that all plays out over the next few months.
2: It's it might, be... may, may provide some more inspiration for them in the Champions League this season if they figure it's their last chance to yeah, have yeah, a bite no, of the apple.
1: Anything's possible, isn't it? Yes. All right. And um, uh,
2: I, I just saw a, a shared by one of the groups that apparently Sergio Agüero has uh, said he's staying on until they win the Champions League. So he's signed a contract till he's 50 now.
1: <laughs> all right um we've still got lots of football to go through we're going to talk to emma black shortly from Curtin wnpl um there's some other night series results from uh Divi one Divy two and there's um some games on i know tonight um and i think they may have even played some last night but there's definitely games in Divvy 1, Divvy 2 over this weekend. Yes, so
2: uh, coming up this weekend in the Men's Night Series uh, yep, that's tonight Uh, Quinns FC are at home against, or hosting Shamrock Rovers and Fremantle City will be hosting Morley Windmills. In Group B, so we've got six groups here in the uh, State League Night Series. In Group B Subiaco AFC will be Hosting Dianella White Eagles and Wanneroo City will be hosting Ashfield. I think all these games are at uh, Wannaroos so when I say hosting it's just the the team listed first as the nominal home team. Uh, UWA Netherlands for Group C will be hosting Kingsley Westside FC. Forestfield will be hosting Belga and in Group D Western Knights are hosting Joondalup City. No, that was last night. So we haven't got results for these ones. But last night we had uh, Western Knights against Joondlup City and Joondlup United will be hosting Kelmscott Roos. In Group E, Kingsway Olympic uh, home uh, hosting Gosnell City and Mandra City will be playing Canning City. And finally, in Group F, Curtin University at hosting Swan United and Sterling Lions against Mum FC. Maybe if we look at the ladder, things will become a bit clearer. What do you reckon, Sean?
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting because in the first round, I think about five clubs got pinged for um, playing players that are under suspension. Okay. You know, over the close season, there's been a lot of player movement, coach movement, and people forget about, particularly just, the yellow just card. Forget about them. Well, players. Don't remember how many yellow cards (laughs) they picked up, and then they they so they carry on season to
2: season, do they?
1: Yeah, and then they the night series. uh, I think about five clubs played players and end up losing points. So it makes it very interesting. I think the the group that Ashfield's in is every team is now on equal points. I was actually
2: just looking at that. Ashfield's at the bottom of the table, but don't read too much into it because all teams are on three points. So yeah, um, it's really just. um,
1: that's, it's interesting. but of the table on goal difference. I thought we yeah. would be third with one plus one, but
2: there you go. Well, uh, it's got you at minus one here. Two scored, three conceded. Maybe the website's not up to date.
1: Yeah. yeah oh. So it shows
2: Wanderoo City are at uh, top on plus three and all the other teams are on minus one. So yeah. the, math, the math adds up.
1: The math adds up, yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. It means it's, it's simple. The the project tonight is go out and win. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. So are so Ashfield aside, as we mentioned before, are Ashfield a side that goes into the night series going, right, we need to win this? Or are they a side that goes... Let's let's try a few things and
1: see. No, we're, we're very much in the development phase. Um, I think our centre-half pairing in our last night's series game um, had a combined age of 33. So, um, <laughs> No, no. <laughs> combined. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. We, we're, I was thinking
2: average you meant, and no, then I no. realised, no, you mean combined.
1: We're, we've gone um, quite young, and uh, it's, a, it's a very different approach from the club, um, and a lot of players are, are really relishing the, the challenge. Um, we're doing okay. I'm quite happy where we are. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I feel I should also add uh, Mum FC uh, having their open day at Len Shearer Reserve tomorrow between 10 and midday. So if you're in the area, in the Melville area, come down and say hi. So that should um, be something
1: else to... And did you find the WNPL results? I did find the WNPL results.
2: So night series results for the women's NPL. So these are last week's results. Um, Subiaco AFC defeated Perth Soccer Club 2 1, and Murdoch University Melville defeated Northern Redbacks 2 0. Uh, in Group B, Balcatta Football Club defeated Curtin University 2 0, and Fremantle City defeated the Hyundai NTC women 4 0. So, possibly a couple of uh, surprising results there in terms of, you know, some of the big names we know from from the Women's State Yeah, League. but the whole
1: world and the whole landscape has changed now yeah, exactly, in WNPL. Exactly. No-one really has a history. It's uh, all brand new.
2: it take a little while for everything to uh, settle in and bed down. Uh, coming up tonight, uh, coming up this weekend in the Women's Night Series, Murdoch University, Melville, will be playing Subiaco AFC at Doreen Gardens. That matches at 5pm, and then at 7pm it'll be Northern Redbacks uh, playing Perth SC. Over in Group B i switch over to uh Belkata Football Club will be p- hosting um, Fremantle City Football Club at Edinburgh Oval, and then Curtin University will be uh, yeah, playing yeah, Hyundai NTC Women. These are the round two fixtures. I'll,
1: I'll, I'll switch over
2: now. So looking at the uh, current ladder for Group B, okay. Fremantle Top and Balcatta okay. Top, both with a win, okay. uh, Curtin yeah, University yeah. and the NTC Women. Looking for their first win and in Group A, Melville City and Subiaco top and Perth SC and Northern Redbacks bottom of the table looking for their first win this weekend. You all good, Sean? You unplug now I wasn't until
1: my earphones fell out (laughs) and everything else And we've had gremlins all over the place But I've been trying to get hold of of Emma Black From Curtin uh, University Soccer Club And she's on the phone now She's just heading off to a nice quiet space Otherwise known as a car And um, we'll have her online very, very shortly So we'll switch over and see how we go um, And we'll talk to Emma about the the WNPL Good morning Emma, how are you? Hi, how are you? Hi. Um, I know it's all a bit rushed and a, and a bit of a surprise and probably... I don't you, you ever done any media before? Uh, sorry, <laughs> I'm just, uh, having trouble hearing you at the moment. Okay. Um, have you had any experience with the media before or are you just... This is the first time you've been dropped in at the deep end? No, we're still getting a few gremlins yep. along. Oh, there we go. Okay, we we'll have to try. Yeah, um, unfortunately, she's dropped off okay. the face of the earth. Gremlins. Um,
2: so I, I do see that Curtin University have signed Stephanie Bullock. Yes. So again, thanks to uh, J.P. Papilia who shared this with us. But uh, so we have signed. Sorry, we they have signed um, on, on a pro contract. So we're talking about pro contracts for women. I don't know how much he gets paid or what that counts as the pro contract, as we were discussing. But
1: Yeah, well, that would be the, the whole point. And I know, look, Curtin are, are very progressive and they've done a lot of work with, with their women's side. And it's interesting, I, I want to talk to Emma about how they, they've they structured that side because I know they've, they've had women's teams before um, and how they brought those, those players in. Mm. But um, I think professionalisation of the sport is something we shouldn't be afraid of. And I know that um, people have been backing off um professionalizing but we should be. Yep. Um Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, any we talk about growing the game. Um if we're largely amateur then, you know, we're gonna we're always gonna complain that we can't compete with the Eastern States. And yes, we are a different market, but at the same time we still gotta try and, and um and get there, you know? Um I'm just gonna try and dial Emma again.
2: Okay. Well the details on while while you're uh trying to call Emma. The details for Stephanie Bullock. So most recently she's played with Cornus IFFK in Sweden and has also played four years in the US college system with Groucher College Gophers. So those American teams have some rather special names. Uh, She was also part of the USA Olympic Development Program in her region. Uh, She's a left winger with an eye for goal. Sean's still just trying to get her on the phone. Uh, And during her college career, she was also a dual athlete on the track team. Okay, she's joining the squad in early March once the visa uh, process is complete. And Curtin University says welcome, and we can't wait to see you in orange. And I'm I'm sort of out of things to uh, discuss right now, Sean. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So. And we're switching right over now, so we should be okay.
1: Good morning, Annie. Can you hear me now?
6: Uh, yes, I can.
7: Marvellous. Yeah,
1: I know that we've had some gremlins in the works as we always do, but that's live radio for you. <laughs> uh, look, thank you for coming on. Um, we've just been talking about your, your latest signing um, and um, saying that she signed on pro terms. Does that mean she signed a pro con- a, a pro contract, uh, as in receiving payment? I uh, guess, yes, that's correct. So she's uh, she
7: signed on to uh, contracts and Today's a busy day because it is the uh, deadline for submitting so um Hence why I'm a little bit all over the place, but it's good to be able
1: to join you. So that, <laughs> that's a, a couple of, of real um, feathers in the cap then for Curtin, because I know um, you did the, the program, the very first pro, uh, match day program for a, a WNPL game. And as far as I know, I don't know of anyone else that signed players up on a pro contract. So that'd be interesting to to see if you, if you are the first. Um But um, very exciting time for women's football. So have you built your team from from scratch or is this um, some of the women's team that you had from last season with some quality imports? Uh,
7: Look, it is... There are not many um, that have come up from our state league side. Um, So we have uh, Megan Connor, who was one of our first signings. um, The first, I think, for this season. Uh, she was on a pro contract uh, last season as well in the state league. Okay. Um, so
6: she's come up, and then we've got a couple others in Sophie Fletcher and Jessica Sheridan,
7: who um, are playing some night series games. Um, but they're in the mix, you know. But other than that, yeah, it's basically um, putting the feelers out there and um, getting some recruits from, you know, mostly uh, a lot of the girls that. Um, maybe haven't been in the game for a year or two, been playing a lot of futsal, um, or previously at clubs like uh, Beckham and Sterling and so on that have dropped off from the, from the Premier League
1: in recent years. Yeah, and also there was um, clubs that, like Queen's Park that didn't get into the um, WNPL, and I don't know how that's panned out for them and, and their retention of players. So it mm. be interesting to see how that, that plays out. Um, you've already played in the night series um, against one of the teams that's very well established. There's was always going to be in the, the WNPL in uh, yeah. Belkasa. How did that go? Yeah,
6: it
7: looked pretty good. Um, we had quite a lot of outs. and we got quite a lot of um, players that weren't available for that for that match, and we actually had quite a few that were still trialing. So a few girls that day that played, you know, the whole game, and that was the first time you know we'd met them. So uh, we were really happy and really impressed with the way the group gelled so far and think that you know we've got a really exciting uh, season ahead. Um, and just on those pro-contract side of things, I have 19 actually to submit today. So we have a very full squad, all on, uh, almost all on, on the
1: pro-contract. That's, that's outstanding work. I think, you know, um, professionalisation seems to be something that people run scared of, but obviously not out there at Curtin. I know um, Campbell, um, as the club president, is very keen that everything is done the right way and is and a big fan of the, the NIG. So um, glad to see that Curtin are taking a lead in that area. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, I actually started at Curtin when I first started playing um, some 16 years ago and met Campbell
7: then. And so we've known each other a long time, and he got in touch with me, you know, late last year about the WNCL. And I've actually been working at Florida in the men's NCL, but my passion was really at the women's game. And we got to talking and just found that, you know, our football philosophy and our thoughts on women's football, where it should be heading, were really aligned. And so it's been a great partnership. You know, we're uh, crazy for being <laughs> here. Because we're just, we're always asking each other, what can we do better, you know, on the pit, off the pit? You know, how can we make, how can we do be better? How can we, you know, lift the standard? How can we be setting examples, you know, and and really build something special? So I think it's it's great, you know, that this opportunity has come along um, to sort of, you know, fill the pot, I guess for the Women's Premier League and, and to really get WA into the, the NPL and it's given, um, you know, people like us a bit of a a boost and a bit of motivation to, you know, see what we can do and see where we can take it.
1: So. Oh, definitely. What were you doing at Floriate?
7: I work as an analyst. Okay. Um, and I'm doing that at uh, Curtin as well. Yeah, so, yeah, so I work analysing the team performance and um, providing strategic recommendations during the course of the game.
6: Yeah, so then, I'm doing
7: that at Curtin as well. But, um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be glad when uh, the paperwork is, is done and we have got uh, we can draw a line under our squad and we can move forward on to the next thing.
1: But, again, we, we talk about the professionalisation of the game and I know a lot of the, the younger coaches and the newer coaches, the analytics is, is very much part of it and, you know, you see, it become normal in the A League and other leagues for people to have the the GPS vests on, but the, that that statistical data is is one of those little one percenters that people yeah. um, from the the old um, you know pint of, of a tin of, of VB at half halftime <laughs> um, that era is gone, and and we're very scientific and very um, analytical about what we do, and it's those things that make the real difference when you're looking at professionalising sport. Yeah.
7: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've I'm qualified in that area. You know, I've got a PhD in mathematics and I've been working in um, mathematical and statistical consulting for the last 10 years. And I've really noticed it across the board, not just in football and sports, but you know, the emphasis on evidence-based decision-making and people realizing how valuable data is um, and, and really getting into that area of data science and data engineering and
1: Pete's getting excited because he's, he's – <laughs> Pete's all about the stats. He's loving it.
7: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what I do is uh, sort of complimentary to some of the other stuff. So I actually track in real time um, where the ball moves. And um, for both the um, home team and the away team, the so bracket yeah. mm. and, and our position. And I also track the um, likelihood of retaining posse- uh, possession in different zones of the pitch. Yeah. And um, then I discuss that, um, you know, I generally just give a couple of key points to coaches after maybe 20 minutes and at half time and halfway through the second half, mm-hmm. you know, which could just be, look, you know, we're having a lot more success penetrating the lines down the left wing than the right, so let's see how we can get it there more. And, you know, maybe the opposition is the opposite, which is what we found actually playing against Arcata. Yeah, We were yeah. having a lot more success penetrating down the wings, whereas the opposite was true with them when they went down the wings our fullbacks were, were dominating or were winning the ball back and clearing it back up. So that was part of the strategy that we worked on was trying to push them wide and try to keep ourselves wide on the counter-attack as well. So I so, think, you know, the two goals they scored were really quite amazing uh, long-range yeah. effort. Mm. you know. Um, but other than that we kept them pretty well shut out so a really
1: exciting time out there at Curtin. you've as you said you've got a, a few players you're still looking for a few more to to finish the jigsaw puzzle are you are you happy with with what you've got going into the season yeah look potentially one or two more
7: uh we are you know there's a few people that we're talking to yeah um uh, we do have another american um, that we haven't announced yet um, but she's, she signed and, and registered, so we're just working on the, uh, the press release for her. Yeah. Um, and we're potentially looking for so those two, the two American girls that we have, they're going to be potentially trying to get over to Europe in July. Um, so there's potential there in the transfer period that we might do a bit of a change out. Um, so we have to be a bit aware obviously with the visa player rule and, you know, whether they're under 23 and how many games they're going to play and all the rest of it. So we've got to do a bit of crunching the numbers there and see if we can get lined up.
6: Um, Absolutely. And potential
7: for a couple of more local girls, uh, the few that we've been speaking to. Um, sorry, but, you know, we, we were really uh, looking forward to our hit out uh, tomorrow against NCC. Uh, we've got a bit, a few more girls in yeah. um, and we'll really see how they go and that will probably you know help guide us as to where we go next in terms of Recruitment and finalising, but because the pro contract deadline is is today, um, then that will you know the nineteen will probably round out who we have on pro contracts at least until transfer
1: window. Absolutely so, yeah, fantastic you, that, to hear. Enough. Yeah, no, look, I, I think <laughs> right it's now. it's really good. I had no idea that the. The, the club was so advanced in what it was doing um, off the field in that area. So, you know, more kudos to you for doing so. Bringing in very credential footballers is only going to lift the standard of the game locally. And um, it sounds like you've, you've really got your stuff together for coming into the season. Yeah, look, I've
7: been in, you know, I've been in squads that, uh, like, for example, did Yaco when, you know, last year in the Premier League. I, you know, I know they're back up in the WNPL now, but I was in that side. You know, that was that was getting stumped in semi-league. And we've seen other teams go up, you know, and trying to make it into that top tier and really struggle. So, I, you know, we have not underestimated at all what it's going to take to be competitive at this level. Um, and, you know, we're putting everything into
1: it. And I think, you know, I think we're going to have a really good season. Oh, I think so. Look, um, the Gremlins got, got into us, so it's cut down our time greatly. I'm sure I'll catch up with you during the season. Thank you very much for your time, Emma, and best of luck for the season. No, worries, thanks very much for the
6: chat. Thank
1: you. Okay. Emma Black from Curtin. And it sounds like they're doing a power work out there and you know It does. Yeah. <laughs> well no, look one not just one American but two. Yeah. Um, so it brings us to the end of the show. Lenny's here setting up for the jazz programme. So um, We'll be off air very shortly. Thank you for listening to myself and Pete Waffle On for a bit there. No worries. Um, Looking
2: forward to seeing the Glory's first ACL game. Just got to mention it again. Tuesday night. Tuesday night, 6 p.m. local time. Yeah, 6 p.m.
1: local time. Get there, cancel everything, pull the phone out of the wall, (laughs) shut off the mobile. Well, maybe not get there, but get yourself on the couch. No, that's right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Set yourself (laughs) up. I'm going to be there singing along with, with the shed. Yep although we'll all be in separate locations. it will be We'll all be one, singing the songs, um, getting behind our team. No, history is being made as we speak. So um, good luck to the lads on Tuesday. Thank you very much for listening. Penny's back in next week. This has been the World Football Programme.
0: Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM.